a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. We are coming to you live today from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, our 2019 annual meeting, and I'm joined by one of my good friends, Rachel Lovingood. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Andrea. So how are, good to be here. How are you doing today? Doing great. We've had a good time with the wives today. Let's just tell them what we've been up to. Well, you and your team put together such a good, I think, day um, just to love on, encourage, minister to minister's wives around this state because that's just a, we're just the people that are a bit overlooked sometimes. And so I love the opportunity to get to pour into them. Okay. So tell me why that is so meaningful to you. I know the answer, but we want our listeners to know why you love minister's wives so much. Okay. Well, I totally do. I always tell them they're my favorite group to speak to because um, I'm, they're, we're sisters. I mean, I've been a minister's wife for 30, almost 32 years. And um, I've been so blessed by so many wonderful wives. Um, but I also know that there's a lot of minister's wives who feel very alone, very um, on an island by themselves kind of feeling sometimes. And so I just know that that's a people that need to be loved on. Um, my friend and I, several, like maybe 10 years ago, time flies, but um, wrote a Bible study for minister's wives because we recognize there's just not a lot out there that's very specific to us as wives and what we need from scripture or from each other or just how the Lord uses people to, to help us be more equipped and more valued even and encouraged. And so it's just, it's a passion and a, just a heart of mine. They're my heartbeat. I love that. Well, I have a couple of questions just specifically about ministry and about ministers' wives because I think you can provide a unique perspective for our listeners. Give us a bird's eye view of what it's like as a minister or as a ministry wife or as a ministry family. What is something that maybe we don't know as, you know, members of a congregation? Well, that's a good question. So there's a lot of analogies that people love, the living in glass houses kind of things, you know. Um, and the fishbowl kind of mentality. And it really is true. I mean, people really are watching every aspect of our lives. But honestly, isn't shouldn't all of us as believers be living our lives in case everybody's watching all the time? You know, so I think maybe it's just a little bit more of a rude awakening for those of us who are officially in ministry um, because people really are watching. And um, there's just a lot of, there's extra pressures. And for instance, in the study that we wrote, We talk a lot about why your marriage is different because you're in ministry or why raising raising children is different because you're in ministry or why having friends is different because you're in ministry because everything is just a little bit different and there's just different nuances to it. you know, the Bible tells us that um, that he call, that he equips those he calls, but he also warns us as leaders, um, you know, to live above reproach and to be super careful about the way that we lead. So there's just kind of a lot of that, which I wouldn't trade any of it, but it's there's always a little bit of a learning curve, especially if you're kind of new into ministry, to recognize that, you know, everything you post on, on Twitter or just things that you like on Instagram can speak volumes to the world out there that you never even intended to go that way, but because you have a platform that's different than everybody else so and it represents Christ um, specifically you know so it's a big deal it is a big deal and I think you know bringing you in to Arkansas I love to have you in Arkansas by the way you're you know you're, you have such a special relationship with the women of Arkansas we love you we have had you here for inspire for ministers yeah. wives you have great relationships with several of our local churches here in Arkansas 
Arkansas. But what I loved about today is that you were really able to speak truth into the lives of the ministry wives because you have walked in their shoes. And so I think what a valuable perspective. And so we talked today about a couple of different things, and we're going to unpack that together because it was a lesson I think that is applicable for all of us as believers. And that is you gave us permission and, and God gives us permission to be needy you know, and to be real. And and quite honestly, it's a scary invitation, I think, but wow, it's a freeing invitation. Mm -hmm. So kind of when you say it's okay to be needy, what, what do you mean by that? Right. Because some people are like, oh, good. (laughs) Um, And that's maybe not exactly this. Um, So the Lord was real specific about that subject because I do think um, where the angle was going with it was, is that it's easy for us to fall into the trap of relying on our strength or our giftedness or our Enneagram or, you know, any of those kind of things um, to do this thing called life and ministry that God has called us to. But when we do that, we sell ourselves very short. And what we do is set the bar low because you and I both know that we have a very limited, we have limited wisdom and capacity and energy and strength and all of those things. But yet God has limitless. And, and the scripture that we even talked about this afternoon says, be strong in the Lord and in his vast strength. Um, because it's not strong in yourself, but it's strong in the Lord. And wow, I don't know anybody who needs to hear that message more than ministers' wives, because it is very easy in ministry sometimes to feel overwhelmed and kind of even beat down by the world. Um, Even those sweet, precious people that are in our churches sometimes can be, um, it can just be a heavy burden to bear sometimes. And so I think we need that message. Absolutely. And we looked at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, and really talked about, you know, that God has given us permission to bring our requests, to bring our, just mm-hmm. our realness to Him. And so talk to us a little bit about that passage of Scripture, Hebrews 12, it. 1 mm-hmm. through 3, and why that message in those three verses, you know, really spoke to you. Okay. Well, I was real specific that that's where we needed to go with this. And gosh, anybody who's probably been in church for a year has heard a message, you know, from that passage of scripture. But the way that we were kind of applying it and gleaning from it today really tied into um, the fact that the great cloud of witnesses, even if it's the one referencing, um, you know, like the hall of faith, but yet just a good reminder to us that there's always people watching. And wow, what I've experienced in my own life and ministry and leadership has been that sometimes my life is the most powerful witness when things are not going perfectly with us. Like when we're walking through a hard time or when we're struggling with something because the world starts to watch to see, is their faith really real? And so just the fact that that's kind of where we were laying that foundation of remembering the why of why we do what we do in ministry. That's huge. And when we say the why, we mean the W-H-Y, is that God called us to lead the church and lead the churches or ministry positions because there's a lost world around us that's dying and going to hell without Christ. And that's why we put up with everything we do. That's why it's, you know, it's worth it to park the furthest parking spot from the church or, you know, those kind of things, like all the little things that sometimes can be difficult um, leading in ministry is because when we remember that lost people go to hell, it's a big deal. It's a motivator that sometimes it's easy for us to lose sight of. And then if you walk through that passage, you know, it just talks about laying down the things that are weighing you down, the things that hinder the race that God's called us to. And sometimes you've noticed in your life, people give you a burden that just weighs you down and that maybe isn't something that God um, even intended for you to have always, but um, just learning how to not try to solve all the problems, but just to let go and let God handle it is a big deal. I've learned that just personally, um, how freeing that is. Yeah. And you know, that's just requires us to be, I think, um, real and honest Mm -hmm. with ourselves because sometimes I think the biggest 
person that we have to understand in the process is ourselves. Sure. Like, you know, our tendencies to either be a fixer or to be a runner or to be a stuffer or a hider or whatever the yep. case may be. But just understanding that God has given us access to him through Christ and we can come into the Holy of Holies, which we talked about too, mm-hmm. and experience his presence in such a way that it fills us and transforms us and then empowers us to go. Sure. You told a story today that was so powerful and it was kind of, well, you told several stories, <laughs> but one that stood out to me was a friend of yours named Trish. And yeah. I think that that particular story highlights the why more than any other, you know, that we there is a lost world and it's it's not just that it's out there, it's right here around us. So tell us about Trish sure. and you yeah, know, it wasn't just story. out there. It was across the street from me. And and when she moved in across the street from us and we lived in Nashville, Tennessee, she was an atheist um, and literally the complete opposite of me. And the greatest thing, not the greatest thing, one of the coolest things that God really taught me so much through that relationship was that lost has a face and a name and it lives across the street sometimes. And wow, it just changed my perspective on everything. But um, Trish was an atheist. We didn't like each other. We didn't have anything in common. The story can go longer. I'll shorten it to this. She got, she became a believer. Um, truthfully, the part I didn't tell y'all is this, that your listeners might like. She became a believer because um, she went to church one Sunday. When I asked her to go to church the first time, she was like emphatically against it. No, I would never go there. Did I? And But then she showed up at church one Sunday and the pastor, our pastor David, just happened to be preaching the gospel and it wrecked her. She heard truth and it wrecked her. And the reason why she went to church, and she told me this later, I said, I didn't even know you were going. Why didn't you tell me? And she said, oh no, because I realized if you live in the South and you tell people that you don't go to church, they won't let their kids play with your kids. And she said, I wanted my kids to have friends. So I thought if I just went to y'all's church and it was so big, she didn't say y'all, she said you all. But she says, I knew if I went to your church and it was so big, nobody would notice me and I could just slip in, slip out. She said, I wasn't going to lie about going to church, but I decided to just stick my head in the door and say I went. Um, But she heard the gospel and because she heard the truth, it wrecked her world. And from then on, she was hooked until she finally, you know, was able to to accept Christ. But um, it's a cool story. That is so cool. And I just love a God in all of that, Uh like how he just relentlessly pursues us with his grace. Yes. And she thought she was tricking God and tricking everybody, (laughs) tricking, you know, herself even, and God had a plan. And so when we think about the why, I'm so thankful that God is sovereignly and providentially and purposefully working and orchestrating events. And we get to be a you know, and we get to be a part well, of it. And he invites us to be a part of it. But I think the biggest challenge for us is to not miss the opportunities because God is pursuing the lost. You know that he loves them and he's pursuing them too, but he's inviting us to step in and be a part of it. And if we just keep breezing past them, we're the ones who are missing out. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a powerful message. And I could tell you a lot of stories that Trish told me about reasons why she was never going to go to church or never going to choose Jesus. And a lot of it had to do with what people post on social media and how people act that call themselves believers. So our actions, whether you're a minister's wife or just a, a believer in the church or a believer who says, I don't even go to church, everything that we do speaks volumes to those lost people. It really does matter. And then fast forward the story to, you know, just recently. The video testimony. Yes, whenever. Yeah, that. And then oh. when she came to speak at your church. Yeah. I love all of the okay. aspects so of So the this. middle part of that story was once she became saved, when she chose Jesus, I mean, her life was radically changed. And so a while later, they did a video testimony at church and asked her the question, um, how did you, what did Rachel say that made you know you needed Jesus? And she said it wasn't anything she said. It was when she let me in her house when it was dirty, when her car didn't start, when her... Her kids weren't perfect when she, I knew she wasn't 
things weren't going great with her husband, when I saw the biggest pile of dirty clothes I've ever seen in my life, that I knew she had a real faith with real problems and real answers, and then I started to want it. And it was like, wow. You know, it was really authenticity is huge. And that's part of the being needy thing, recognizing that God does not call us to pretend like we have it all together or to look pretty for the world, but that we should be as worried about what we look like on the inside, more worried about what we look like on the inside than how we look on the outside. Because authenticity does lead to evangelism, and that's what we're here for. I mean, there's millions of people in Arkansas who do not know Jesus, and they're right here in the Bible Belt, but how are we reaching them? And it was just this past spring. So it was Trish became a believer about nine or 10 years ago. And it was just this past spring, I invited her to my church that we are now at in Cleveland, Tennessee. And she and I had a discussion about the power of God's word in your life. And um, it was, it was incredible the way that God is, you can use her and does use her to reach people who, who say, I used to think like that. You know, I can relate to, to that mindset of the person who's outside of church. It was really good. So I have a quick question. When you think about that first step that you took with Trish, engaging conversation, you know, what, what was that like? What was that first step? So awkward. So awkward. And just know this, that when God brings us people into our lives, it does not always, it's not always pretty and it doesn't look good. I'm just being honest with you. I did not like her and she did not like me. It was the feeling was mutual because we had no common ground, but she wanted friends and I wanted friends and to build a relationship with her. And so we just kept going at it until we found some common ground. And for us, the first thing we connected on was cooking. Um, she was, she's from New Jersey. So she was always an Italian. So she's always making pasta and homemade sauces. And I was always frying something or, you know, cooking okra or something. And she had never, so we got to where we cooked extra and took the leftovers to each other's houses to see whose family liked the other person's food better because she was super competitive and she and my husband Jeff used to argue about whose grass was better and you know compete over the yards so we just kind of do this bonding thing that had nothing to do officially with church or anything but we were just bonding in the neighborhood and then God began to use that if that makes sense it makes perfect sense and it's just like living life together yes it's that just relationship building and also just you know being real which I think is so important because Mm -hmm. it really frees us up from having all the right answers or knowing all the right things or doing all the right steps quote unquote to just although let me just throw this in there are some things that we can be super intentional and um and specific about when we're talking with lost people, like watching how you talk, that you don't use all your Christian big words and lingo, that you don't come across as, I have it all together and I know all the answers. I mean, Trish told me one time, she said, when I was lost, it made me so mad when people who call themselves church people told me they were praying for me. She said it made me mad. And I said, why would that make you mad? And she said, because what I, you say you're praying for me and I hear, I have all the answers and I know what you're, how you're wrong and you're so messed up and bless your heart. And I thought about it and I was like, oh my stars, you know, I can see how that would be. So I said, well, then how am I supposed to do that? So because I'm going to pray for, you know, when I'm, she said, ask people, don't tell people you're praying for them, ask them could I pray for you? And it completely changes like the perception and the way that they receive it. And it's the same concept, but it's just those little things like that. And I actually wrote a book called Everything Summed Up. And it's a study of everything I learned, not everything, a whole lot of things that I learned from just a relationship with a lost person, because most people are one to Christ through relationships, but yet none of us build relationships with lost people because we don't have anything in common with them. So it's kind of that kind of thing, just being intentional. And I think another intentional step is to survey your life, the landscape of your life, and ask, you know, who are the people in my life that I'm interacting with who are lost or who are not churched? And, you know, being intentional about building those relationships, we can become so, you know, secluded in our Christianese and in our church circles that we look up and realize I'm not 
evangelizing. I'm mm -hmm. not investing. And so. One thing that I do sometimes is draw a circle on a piece of paper and put your name in the middle and then draw lines out from the circle and every line represents just something that's a constant in your life like like I go to church or I'm in my neighborhood or I go to the ball field you know because my daughter plays softball or I'm at work and you kind of these lines and then out from those lines you draw little lines and identify who are the people that I bump into all the time and sometimes you won't even know them you'll be like that girl with the dark hair at Sonic or the waitress where I eat lunch on Sundays or the server you know the guy who changes my oil like there's certain people that you see all the time even if you don't know their names and you identify them on this piece of paper and then you start to pray God give me an opportunity to, to speak Jesus to them and it's really powerful what will happen you'll start to have those doors open up that is so good well I pray that everybody will take that challenge myself included and I, I've really been convicted about that because you know I'm just looking at the landscape of my life you know and so I was in the nail salon just the other day and I thought this is the perfect time you know to start up this spiritual mm -hmm. conversation and then with that same lady I saw her in the grocery store just a couple of days later mm -hmm. and I'm like okay Lord I hear you I sure. see you but we have to slow down mm -hmm. you know we have to slow down and we have to remember the why so sure wonderful That's powerful. wonderful yeah. okay the second point that you made this morning was that we have to lay aside the things that hinder those sure. things that entangle us you know and I think it can be so many different things and you talked about that this morning so tell us a little bit about how that looks in our neediness well because God tells us to bear one another's burdens and he brings people in our lives, you know, for us to do life with. But sometimes we'll start to take on a burden either that maybe God didn't didn't intend for us to or people try to shove their burdens on us. And um, I think the biggest challenge for me and just what we've dealt with is um, my husband and I both have a tendency to want to fix things. And so when we meet somebody, we'll be like, okay, how can we help that or how are we supposed to fix it? And sometimes God says, just be, just be me in that moment and in that situation and take the burden of trying to fix it or solve the problem off of ourselves and just let God deal with that and you just continue to represent me in the moment. So it's not necessarily that we start to avoid people or anything like that, but just that we have a healthier perspective on on their burdens and their perspective and it's good boundaries, but it's also I think goes with the needy is recognizing that you and I have nothing that's going to change their life except Jesus. And so stop trying to fix it or solve it and just let Jesus do the work in and through you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I was just uh, teaching on that concept not mm -hmm. long ago, you know, and talking about faith. Like the faith that we cultivate is the faith we communicate. And so a lot of times I think I like what that. we do is we think we've got to fix this for them, you know, fix their situation. And God's saying, no, I'm going to I'm gonna do something so deeply in you mm -hmm. that they see the difference and are drawn to me. Yeah, and that's, that's cool. just so freeing. It's kind of a twig in the log thing in your eye, you know, concept. Yes. Sometimes it's easier to think about how scripture applies to everybody else instead of us first. And he's going, no, 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 it's for you first. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, but in ministry, isn't that sometimes sure. hard? I mean, yeah. to go, okay, time out. This is this is for me. And you mentioned that today, mm -hmm. a couple of your books, and let's talk about some of your books. They were first and foremost because you were in a situation. Because I needed it. Because right. God was teaching me something. And um, instead of just having a thought that, oh, I need to be more intentional about bringing Jesus up in my conversations, then instead of that having that thought, I'm like, let's let me be serious about it. And for 21 days, let me be specific about it. And so, you know, maybe there's a book that's there, I have that book that's a 21 day challenge to just bring Jesus up in your conversation. Your nail salon girl. It's as it's as simple as the conversation being, hey, how's your day been, or how was your weekend, and then her answering. And then when you ask somebody a question, they're going to ask you back. 
And so if you're out somewhere tomorrow, you know, hey, how's your week been going? And they answer, and that's great. And then they ask you back, and you can say, mine was awesome. I've been at the Arkansas Convention, and we have just been talking Jesus and worshiping Jesus, and it's been great. And that's just that simple and not awkward, but that puts Jesus out there, and that's where the difference comes. Because once you bring Jesus up forever to that person, you're that Jesus person. And so it'll either go well, and they'll want to talk about it, or it won't. But when their life falls apart, if they if they shut you down when their life falls apart in a couple of weeks, they're going to come back to you. You know, they're going to remember that Jesus person that was friendly. So it's just that kind of that simple. Which brings us to the next point that you talked about this morning, which is yeah. the perseverance point. Yeah. You know, because sometimes we want to be done. Can I be that honest? I'm, I'm tired. I'm worn out. We you like know. go home, shut the door, turn the phone yes. off, and draw the blinds. Yeah. Yes. I yes. know. Because, but see, and the last of that verse um, said that you won't be weary. Yeah. Um, and doing good. Uh, it's just a powerful lesson for us to remember that perseverance, that God didn't call us to quit when it gets hard. And just the truth is, y'all know this, especially in ministry or leadership, I mean, it's just going to get hard. It, it is. It's life and um, on all different levels. And so if, if we go into it knowing that I don't get to quit when, when it gets hard, and part of that, I think, goes back to, to standing firm on your calling, um, like Second Peter talks about, you know, but be sure to make your calling firm so that when hard times come, you won't stumble. And what an encouragement that verse has been to us over the years because there's been some really difficult things that we've walked through, um, but yet God has been faithful, and we have changed, and he has used us, and and we're grateful, you know, but just perseverance because we live in a culture that is is moving quick and giving up when it's hard and, hey, that marriage isn't working, I'm just going to quit it, you know, those kind of things, and, and, and it's just not what God is calling us to do. So perseverance is a big deal, I think. On that particular point this morning, you talked about drawing a box and standing on that box, which is remembering your calling. Mm -hmm. So tell us just a little bit about that, because we all have calling on our life, and it's it's it grounds us when we understand that. So explain mm -hmm. that just a little bit more, because that ties into this point so beautifully. Well, and so if you're a if you're in ministry, God's called you to ministry. If you're a minister's wife, God's called you to that position. Um, and that can look at, you know, it could have been a different kind of calling in the beginning, but, but the truth is that he does, he knows exactly where you are and he's got you there for a reason. And so when you know that you're called to a position is when you know we're standing here until God calls us somewhere else. And um, for us as the, the general believer pop, population, God has called us all to be, um, to be on great commission. God has called us all to go and make disciples, not just if you're the pastor or the evangelist or the, that person, that he's called all of us to that calling. And that even ties to remember the why and remembering that lost people go to hell when they die without Christ. And that, that's our that's our calling. So I think that's kind of a twofold, um, twofold answer. But there has been times in ministry when it, it's hard and sometimes it's not your fault and sometimes situations go really bad and sometimes people get sick and die and calling and being in that place at that time can be really hard but one thing that my husband and I've always done um, or at least as long as I can remember when it was really bad is we would ask ourselves what's best for the body of Christ and Lord what do you how do you want us to respond in this moment that's going to be the best for the body of Christ because the truth is is that's who we're called to serve and that's who matters and Jesus loves the church and it's the bride of Christ. And so when we kind of focus on that, it helps us kind of redefine and re-up on our calling in a lot of those. I wrote that down as you said yeah. it today because I thought how clarifying and simple, yet so very hard. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we do want 
to put ourselves in that center spot, you know, and and we do that for a lot of different reasons, but to remember the body of Christ. And then what you said this morning, I'm just going to quote everything you said this morning, Rachel. Can I just quote all of your I don't remember what I said this morning. I have them all written down is it actually positions us for that right living. You know, it positions us and God's doing something Mm -hmm. in that and he's always got us. And so Mm -hmm. it's not like we have to give up on what's best, God's best for us in that situation, but it's just that as we focus on the next point, which is him and the body of Christ, he's going to take care of us. Sure, and it takes our focus off, which is where you're going to it, um, because Hebrews tells us to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And I love that, A, he's the author, because I'm an author, and I love that feeling of um, God writing our story, and it's not about us, but also he's the perfecter. He he brings it to to completeness, and he finishes, and he perfects it, because when things are, are not at their easiest, and let's be honest, in ministry, when do you ever go, gosh, ministry is so easy today, you know, I mean, there's days in which there's less pressure, but um, but there's always going to be those ups and downs of it, and, and there's such a temptation to buy into what the world would have to say, which is, well, what's best for you and your family, and what's best for you, but um, when we lead, it's not always about us, and so being able to change that focus to recognizing what's best for the body, and then God is going to bless that, I think, in return, and your obedience in that. So, so good. And there's so only good. one way to do it, and that's to fix your eyes on Jesus, because so if you fix your eyes that. on the circumstances, you're going to get scared. And I, I think I had this written in my notes, but I don't think I said it. But um, if Satan can make you fearful, you will be less faithful. Wow. And um, when we fix our eyes on our circumstances, it's almost always going to cause fear because this is a scary world that we live in. Um, and it's got a lot of big, bad darkness that's going on because there's this prince of darkness that's roaming around. And our job is to push back darkness. But sometimes if we focus, take our eyes off Jesus and focus on what's going on, it can be overwhelming. It can cause fear to grow in us. Um, But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, just like Peter walking on water or just like, you know, the children of Israel when they were facing the Red Sea, all those kind of things, it's it's where we choose to focus that's going to make the difference in the moment. Set us up for the miracle or set us up for the heartbreak. Take your pick. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for just recapping that with us. I want our listeners to be able to connect with you. I know many of them have your books. They want your books. They want to follow you on social media. So tell us the the best way to connect with you and to um, access your resources. On all the social media, it's um, rachellovinggood.com. That's my website. Um, Just like it sounds, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-O-V-I-N-G-O-O-D. It's a fun last name. People always think we make it up. Like if you're ordering pizza, they say, really, loving good? Um, But no, it's really it. And um, so all the social media is pretty much just my name all together. And then um, my website has links to any of the books. And I think there's a little good description on there, too, of the different ones. And most of them, literally, I wrote because I needed to make a change in my life. And then God's like, you know, you're just an average person, just like everybody else. So if you need it, maybe other people would, too. So I was like, okay, fine. You can have it, too. Absolutely. Well, we cannot end without talking just a little bit about football because you are a football mom. Very much. And just, you know letting everybody know if they follow you on social media right now they're probably going to see a few posts about Tennessee football they're going to see a few posts about with a lot of orange and white pictures um because we are very proud of our all of our kids my oldest two kids are married and serve in ministry one here in Arkansas yes um she and her husband are at the cross church campus 
uh, Fayetteville campus of Cross Church, and he's the college pastor. So we also love Arkansas football. Um, bless wherever, right? Yes. It is what it is. Um, <laughs> but our youngest son is finishing up his last year at Tennessee football, and it has been quite the learning experience for all of us. I'm really proud of the way that God has used him. Um, he said one time to me, you know, well, Mom, I'm not going in ministry like everybody else. And I said, sweetie, I think you're doing as much ministry as anybody's doing because when we live as a believer in the lost world, immersed in it, a lot of times we can have a huge impact that way. And so we're thankful for all that he's been doing there. And we, God's opened some doors for um, us to be part of like um, a whole prayer ministry that we started with Tennessee football. And so we pray together before every game and we invite all the parents to pray and it can get real interesting, but it's really a blessing to me. And what I'm learning is when you pray, when you use your you know, circumstances for ministry or to be your mission field, God can do things you would never thought. Uh, two weeks ago, last week we were, this past Saturday we were away. It's a little harder at away games, but um, two weeks ago we probably had a hundred, I don't know, could have been upwards of a hundred people circled up in the end zone stairs praying for our team before they, you know, before they play the game. And gosh, people notice and they say, what's going on? And I don't, it just opens a lot of doors, you know, Absolutely. it's really cool. And also, you know what, when you pray, it changes you. And yes. so I watch the game differently I'm like just please don't let him get broken you know that kind of (laughs) thing and God has been very faithful and you know we've really enjoyed it I mean we're tired but we've really enjoyed it. I bet so well we're so excited for you and for your family and you also have a son in Florida so I do he's a campus pastor at a church in St. Pete um, with two little ones and they're just doing great ministry to mostly like the the kind of the young adult community downtown St. Pete's very much like like in the Nashville area with a lot of art art artistic people and music people and you know that kind of, and they're reaching a ton of people with the gospel down there and it's just really exciting. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and really reminding us about, you know, permission to be needy as we think about how we can remember the why of life, remembering the why of ministry, um, laying aside everything that hinders us, running with perseverance and always fixing our eyes on Jesus. As we do that, then we know that God is glorified. People are encouraged and our walks are strengthened. So Mm -hmm. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. We love having having you in Arkansas. Come back soon. Y'all are my people. All right. talk soon. Take care. This episode of Inspire on the Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth on the Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.